0: Here in we're starting from the Mishnah on the bottom of Samach Dalad on the base. is the Mishnah. So we're going to have a series of Mishnahs over here. That each one of these Mishnahs are actually mishnah in different Mesechtas. They're just for some reason gathered over here, seemingly because each one has these words, which is uh, a word we use when we're talking about the Tumas Tahayim. We said, if you're ready, Tumay, and then you go over Tumas and you have a suffix. So then we said it's that you remain, but toma it sort of means the idea of Cheskas tomo in the case of Tumas Tahayim, it didn't. It was just an explanation for the Halacha Mesh Sinai, But these three Mishnais, we're going to quote, all have that same word in it, that same concept. So therefore, they seem to be gathered here a, a second time from each of their uh, proper masechtas. So I might say Mase Betchil. someone is in their uh, yard, uh, in their field, and they find the mace. And the Mase, as we'll see, is seemingly buried there. But the Halacha is that if you have a mace who's buried in a proper cemetery, I don't care if it's a thousand years later, you're not allowed to move that mace. You're not allowed to move the mace from one place to another. There's certain specific exceptions that you can move a mace to Yisrael or more about or things like that. Uh, but generally speaking, you're not allowed to move a mace, either because of covered a mace, or because of some idea of mace khanamakaymai, that's considered his place. Or some of us should say it's it's a more Kabbalistic reasons when you move a mace before the, the before the body is all rotted away. Of course, it's a to the mace, uh, different, different reasons why that could be. Again, it's not clear in the suya whether we're talking about here a Dindarais or a Dindarabanan, but there's is an Isr generally to move a mace. The two exceptions are, A, if the person was not buried Uh, specifically at all. The body is just there. We don't know how it got there or what it's doing there. Also, if it's buried in your yard and it's not your mace, so you have no idea if the person had permission to bury there, of course, then then, then we could do it differently. Again, mace mitzvah might be different. We're not talking about mace mitzvah here. And the third exception is if you bury someone temporarily. If the, when they buried the person, the chatzilah they said we're just putting him here temporarily until we can find a better place, or until we can uh, get to the closest cemetery or whatever it happens to be. So here, a person is working in their field and they find the mace. So the question is, well, what is this mace here? Was it put here temporary? Is it Jewish? First of all, if it's a guy, we don't care at all. If it is it Jewish, and after we determine if if we can determine if it's a Jewish body, was it buried here properly with intention for it to be? a cemetery and I just was unaware? Or was it just put here temporarily and therefore I could dig it up? So the mission says, (laughs) meaning that you were not aware that there is a kever here at all. You didn't know there was any cemetery. So (laughs) if the the body was lied out the way normally Jewish people lie out their bodies flat, exactly, on their back. So then since it's only one body you found here, we can assume it was not a proper cemetery. We can assume it was just a temporary burial. And therefore you are allowed to move the body out of your field and when you move it and es you can also move, we'll see in the Gemara what this means, tfusasa, but not just the bones, you actually have to move some of the dirt from around the cavern, also has to move as well, we'll see the details in the Gemara. So now, if you found one, and that's it, you're finished. Shnayim, now you continue working in the field, you find the second body, Okay, now this is getting uh, suspicious already okay and then also Neitlon Vest if it's just two also you can just assume it was temporary but Matzah Shleisha now at this stage of the Gemara we're, it's seeming as we'll see in the Gemara we're talking about when you found the second one you left the first one there so before you move the first one you decided to keep looking you found the second one and then before you move that one you now found a third one so Matzah Shleisha so then already we have to be very suspicious that this is actually a Beisach Fars and you're unaware of it. Now, in those days, they did not bury people in basic phars like we have. They buried them in caves, in burial caves. If you've hiked anywhere around Beit Shemesh, you, you can see lots and lots of these caves all around. You basically go down underground. The There's a big cave. Uh, with like a chatzor in the middle, a large area in the middle, and then there's dug into the walls these kuchen, these little uh, shelves, and that's where they used to put the bodies. In those days, they probably weren't burying the bodies. Usually they would bury the bodies in those little, what we call a kuch, a hole, and then and when the body would dis- disintegrate, they would later take the bones out and put the bones in a central location. That's normally where it's done. It was, they stopped that I at some point, but when we talk about nightland and burial a la voice of, that usually means that they used to have like a central location, like a big pit, and all the bones would move into there. No, they would bury all the bones together. All the bones together after the body read out of the hundred percent, that's the way to do it. Otherwise, you'd have the problem we have nowadays, which is you're running out of space in cemeteries. So to avoid the idea of running out of space in cemeteries, especially with normally family burial plots, so they'd have, you know, as we'll discuss, a number of these kuchen there, depending on how big the family was. The body would go in there, they'd close it up, and then they'd wait a year usually, and come out, there's nothing left, you take the bones, you put them into like a central pit. Again, that was not relevant to our sugi. But the point here is, you found three bodies. So, how can you determine if this is also... A, uh, just some random bodies thrown down or if this was actually a cemetery so now the mission says as follows if they are set up in the proper configuration of the halachic size of a burial cave, then I raise you Now what is the halachic size of a burial cave? So the Mishnah says from four to eight Amas. Thaisis points out that Gemara Basso says this does not mean that they are spaced out between four and eight Amas. That's not what it means at all. What it means is they were laid out in a configuration of a burial cave. A burial cave was four Amas wide by eight Amas deep. Okay, so on the far side of the wall, where you had four amas, you could put two bodies, and on the long sides, on either on the right or left you, when you're walking into this cave, which would be eight amas deep, you could put three, maybe four, depending on how, how much you put them, bodies. So if the bodies were laid out, in a configuration, where let's say so you had two on the right of you and one in front of you, that it could have been that the area here that was a 4 by eight cave, then we have to assume this was a proper burial, and that at that stage, then it's considered a cemetery. Yeah, you have various pictures and various things. And then it's a, it's a cemetery, and then you're not allowed to touch them at all. It's also to move them, you're stuck. There. Not only that, yes. When you say A D, you mean... Deep into the wall. No, I mean from where you're standing by the entrance to the cave till the first body starts. Right, then you dig two amas into that wall after the eight amas, that's where you put the body. Okay? So you have a chutzah in the middle that's eight by four and then on the edges of the chutzah into the wall, that's where you dig the, the, the graves into the wall and put the bodies in there. So then it's considered a shkunus close to cemetery. So A, you're not allowed to move the bodies. And B, says the Mishnah on top, then normally when they had these sort of cave setups, it wasn't just a single cave. They would actually have a central giant chatzar and then multiple caves in each direction problem is, you don't know which direction this the particular caves or these particular dugout cemeteries were going in. And therefore, you need to start checking within 20 amas of the first mace. In, and again, you don't even know if they're buried head first or feet first. It's not You can't know. So, you have to check 20 amas. 20 amas sounds like this, because you could have a chatzar of this grave would be 8 amas. Then you'd have a central chatzar of 4 amas. And then another 8 hamas for another chatzor, so you'd have 8 and 8 and 4 okay Teisus points out that doesn't, the math doesn't work out because the center Chatsa was actually not four Amas it was six Amas and therefore you'd actually have 22 Amas so Gemara gives a bunch of different possibilities how you got to the number 20 either sometimes they had caves if they had one cave of the family which was for adults that would be eight Amas but if they had another fa- and then normally they would have another uh, grave site for children and that wouldn't be as big because it can have smaller graves and that would only be six Amas deep instead of eight Amas deep that's where you get Or 20, or it depends if you're you're measuring uh, in the diagonal, if you're measuring the straight, again, it's a whole thing about Basra, we don't have to get into the details over here, but you need to check 20 amas, says the Mishnah, and then to find, are there other graves here? And once you check 20 amas, then says the Mishnah, if you find even one, in the first halacha in the Mishnah we said, when you find one body, no problem, you can move, you can assume it was just a temporary here once you found three set up as a proper burial if within 20 amas the edge of 20 amas you find another even single body we have to assume that that single body was part of this same cemetery set up and therefore the, even that single body you're not allowed to move then and you don't know also if it's a series of these in a row so you have to keep checking on and on it doesn't say how many times you have to do this smash for only three times but it could be more and here's the the key point that the Mishnahites brought here, once you have a number of them set up in this configuration, now you have to be appropriately suspicious that this is a proper burial area and that you're not going to move any of the bodies. If you just found one body, we said, you don't have to leave it there, you can move it. But since you already found three in the proper configuration, you have a that this is a proper burial chamber and therefore, even if you find one within the 20 Amos, you're also not allowed to move it. So Amar of Yehuda, every word in this Mishnah is Meduyan, Matzah, what it said in the beginning of the Mishnah, Matzah, or that means Pratlam Matsui. If you are aware that there is a proper cemetery, or even a single body cemetery in your field, you're not allowed to move it at all. The only time this halacha the mission was was when there was no indication there was a cemetery here. Nobody was aware there was a cemetery here. And you just find the body. One, you could move it. But if there is outside in the backyard, you're walking, you dig out, you, you, you know, dig away something, and you find the headstone, as we would call it nowadays, which means this was a proper, permanent cemetery that even if there's one body, you're not allowed to move it. Mace Prat Lahore. This halacha that we said, that you have to take the body and you have to take the trusa of it, all these halachas, then that would only be if the mace was died of a natural death and you had the entire body. If it was murdered and there's parts of the body missing or an arm cut off or something like that, then the halacha of tfusa, that when you move the body, you have to take dirt from around it, we'll see the details, does not apply. It's halacha moshmissineh, that halacha. And it only applies if you have a complete mace, not if you're missing any part of the mace. Mushgav. we said you find the body lying down, Prat if If he's sitting up, then not. Why? The more will explain. Kedarka <laughs> we'll said in the Mishra that it has to be the normal way. Apparently the G'ayim, we'll see in the Gemara in a second, used to bury their bodies, like folded up. So if that you find it like that, that would also be an indication that it's not a Jewish body and then you have all these halachas do not apply. If you have a Mishra, that was <laughs> missing part of the body. The halacha of tfusa that you have to... T- when you move it, you have to move some of the dirt around it. Halacha it does not apply if it's a ch- mesrat chaser. And... This, and Tyson says, this is very difficult to understand, says Tyson, why there would be no din of Shechun HaSkruos. The idea of Shechun to us sounds like it's just a logical issue. If you find three bodies lied out in the proper configuration, then you have to assume it's a burial chamber and you have to annoy with it properly. If that's the case, what's the difference if the bodies are complete or not complete? It makes no sense. And therefore Tyson says, it must be. It's Allah HaMashem all these halachas. And Allah al Isinai is only said if the bodies are whole. If the bodies are not whole, the halacha does not apply. When the body is folded over, when the body is sitting up, why don't we have to worry about it there? If it's not lied down the way a normal Jewish body would be lied down, then we have a right to assume it's a Goyesh body. If it's a Goyesh body, all these halachas don't apply. What about, what if you find two? So if you find two bodies, which normally said you can move them, but then you have to take the Tfusa, but if they're not lied and they're both lying down, but they're in different directions. So one of the head is on this side, and one of the head is on the other side. So aim them, then again, the halach of doesn't apply, even if you find three, and the halach of tfusa doesn't apply, because then clearly these bodies were just thrown down here haphazardly, temporarily, and all these halachas don't apply, you can move them without even the tfusa. What about this case? This is an interesting case. Mazar Shleisha. Let's say you find three bodies, which we normally say once you find three bodies, you have to assume it's a proper burial chamber. But a do But one of them, you knew there was one kever out in the backyard. You knew there was one there. Okay, so that one, normally speaking, you're not allowed to move. Then you go working in the field and you find two more that you are unaware of. Or Echatil or the opposite, one you found, two you knew about, one you didn't know about. So now it's suspicious. If you knew or everybody knew that there was some sort of cemetery out there, why did you not know about these other bodies? Okay, so therefore, why some are some you are aware of and some you are not aware of? So then the Allah flips on its head and we say, Inlam the whole halacha goes away, and even the ones that you knew about, you're allowed to move. Why? So Teisru says, "Rashbam Pirish halacha <laughs> Mosheb Again, this makes no sense. It must be a halacha Mosheb But the Re Pirish says Teisru's tamadover. The Einan Anamir Shkhus Khusu Bei Sekfaris Hayahayov Onikvasham Gmeisim Chivin The Echad Yedua If Isa The Ein Daitor Lifnoisem Venishal Kfaris You would know about it. So, Teisru is That even though you knew there was one body buried in the backyard. Again, if it was only buried there temporarily, even that one body, you're allowed to move it. If there's one body there that you thought was permanent, but now other two bodies show up, and suddenly you find, that's an indication that there's something weird going on here, and it's probable, or possible at least, that they were all actually buried temporarily one you're aware of, the other one you're not, and therefore you're actually allowed to go and move all of it, and the loch of shkun and does not apply. Okay? Either Allah loch of that's smart. The, mer- the, the, the number significant, in other words, you're saying that it, it, it's, it's three? Or in other words, what, what, what tells Three normally, the base, no. Even if ones? it's three. It means even though you normally found three and three, when you find three, and that's why Tesis points out, it's very interesting now. If you find three bodies, you're not allowed to move them. If you're aware of three bodies, you're not allowed to move them. But if you're aware of one and then you find two then you're allowed to move all of them. Because that's strange. Why did you know about one and not the other? That seems to indicate that there's something fishy going on here and it's not normal. It doesn't seem to be three. It could be three. It could be ten. It doesn't seem to matter. The Mormon's a story. There were two that he was aware of, and one extra one that he found. He was being machmir. he said, "Eh, There's three, we have to be machmer. All your checking and everything you did was a waste of time. Either if you knew about three, or if you found three. But if it's a mix and match, the halacha doesn't apply. What is trusa? First of all, hechi domitrus. Where do we see this? All? What is it? And where do we know that you have to take it with the mace? Some of you, the Merkruah interesting drosha. It says in the passage of Yaakov Avinu when he told them to take his body out of Mitzrayim to bury it by the Maros Machpelah, he says, V'shechavti mavoi sevin isesani mi Mitzrayim shiut teke mi Mitzrayim v'kratani b'kurasan bury them in the Maros Machpelah v'yom ha'nechi yesek v'echo why is it after sevin isesani mi Mitzrayim? Just say, I want to make sure I'm buried in Masakhpil. Why is it the stress to take me from Mitzrayim? So we and me Mitzrayim, totally me, me. You should take some of Mitzrayim with me. So therefore, first of all, and the I Mufashima mean, on the side explains, this is very, very share, because we never see that Yaakov was actually buried in Mitzrayim, ever. Okay, we say he was he was they they, they 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 entombed him or whatever, and bombed him, and then they took the body. We never actually see he was buried. So either the Rambam says this is just a uh, said maybe he was buried, or he was telling him, if they do bury me, when you move me, make sure you take some of the dirt with me, whatever it is, but again, there seems to be at least some smach, that when you move a mace, you should take some of the dirt with the mace. The kamashir tfuz, how much? So, the amara said, any soft dirt around the mace you have to take, and you have to dig in the hard dirt another three fingers worth of dirt. This seems to be a I suspect, that this svarah seems to be based on the nakuda that you're afraid pieces of the mace dissolved or melted off the mace, and therefore they are in that dirt, and you want to make sure you take all the pits of the mace, like you know like does when they, you know they clean up the area, they take every little tiny piece. That seems to be what this is. Uh, not 100% clear if that's the Svar of Yaakov Avinu, because we don't see that that would have been the case, it was very, very fast, but uh, that seems to be his Svar of why you're taking all this dirt. So we have a brisa, which has how much is it? Any little pieces of wood, or any pieces that look like they were part of the kever itself, the oran you have to take, Adain, anything which is clearly obvious was not part of the mace at all, that you do not have to take, um, else, anything which you're not sure, what's dirt, what's rekev, as we discussed, then you have to take that, anything else there, anything else there, anything else there might be bone, might be part of the rekev we discussed, obviously rekev tastes, tastes a little bit sure, the Rosh has must be talking about when he's buried, on a shyish oron, we said, it was, you're not going to have reqev if you're buried with wood. It doesn't count as reqev. But if he must have been buried in a place where he didn't have clothes on and it was a, a marble or stone box. And then later on, they moved him to something else. And therefore, you could have a mixture here of bone and reqev or whatever. So therefore, you see, it's not three fingers. There's anything that's about three fingers and offer tichuach or anything. It just says you take everything and you just sift through it. So mahudiyam arkaytana. It's actually machleikis. The sand you become shi'etfusa. I'm a miyachim. You should benazay noitla for tichuach. Well, the soft dirt. The chay for b'sulah shalishad's bow. So therefore, you see, it's a machleikis tiraim. What this tefusa is, if it's a mound, or if you actually just look through and find anything that looks like a maze. So we say when you find one kever, you have to. You look for a second. You find the second. You look for a third. If you have three, now it's a shrunas Kfur. I'm a on base. Badakupana, you find one. What if you find one and you move it? You say, "Oh, there's only one body here," and you move it. Okay, and you, you ship it out. and You send it to the cemetery. Then badakupana. Then you keep digging and you find the second one. You say, "Oh, the loch of two is I'm allowed to move it." So you ship it to the cemetery. And then badak vaashkach. And then after you ship out number two, you find number three. Well, now once you find number three, now you have an issue of shkuna So do you have to go get the other two back? So it says the, the Ravah, no. No. Once you already move the first two, fine, then you can leave those two wherever you left them in the proper cemetery. But this third one, you're not allowed to move. This third one you have to leave here. Another version of Ravah, Amarava. No. Once you uh, move the first two, and now you found the third, you're allowed to move the third as well. Why not? What do you mean? Now you have three. It's a shrunis i I'm Eretz Yisrael. Chazal on leaving bodies around, especially in Eretz Yisrael. That if we can find any sort of heter to move the body to a proper cemetery and not leave unmarked tuma around, then it would have kainim problems and truma problems or whatever. We prefer to do that. So normally, if you have three, you're not going to move it. But if you already moved the first two, according to this version of Rabbah, okay, just move the third one and let's clean everything up so now if you you have three bodies we said you have to check but it doesn't say what direction you check it okay so you pick one direction i pick east and i check east 20 amist There's nothing my do i have to then check west and north and south or once i checked one direction i'm yitz. no you only have to check one direction the three you found you leave you check one direction There's nothing there you're done my time. Why don't you have to check in all the directions? Again, another. We don't want you digging up and finding. If we don't know the, if we don't have any good reason to assume there's anything else there, then don't bother checking at all. Check one time. You don't find anything. You're done, and we'll just assume everything is tor. That is the halacha that we brought over. Grime the daver ames. Next mission. Call suffic negoiyim betchila tor. The halacha all so here is when a Kayin has to go check someone who has tsaras on his goof. So if it's a Suffolk, meaning he was not yet Tomei at all, and now we're deciding if he's Tomei, you assume Suffolk is Tor. That's before he was Tomei. If he If he was Tomei, now you're not sure if he became Tor, then we say Sveikai Tomei, then we have to be Machmir. What's the case? So Taisa explains. The Aloha is that if someone comes to the coin with a, a Behera, something on his arm, so he locks the person up for a week, and you have to wait to see if it got bigger. Okay? Now normally if you do this, if you've ever been to a doctor when you have like a rash, sometimes the doctor makes like a circle around the rash and then waits to see did it get bigger and get, or smaller based on the previous size it was. So you're supposed to do the same thing by a tsaras, so you can tell if it grew or if it didn't grow. What if Uqayen did not do that? And he has two people. One comes in with something the size of a gris and one has something the size of a cella. Okay, And then after one week he checks them both and they're both now the size of a cella. Now, one of them had a size of a grease, which is much smaller, that grew to a sella, so he's Tame Tsaras. The other one was the size of a sella, and it is the size of a sella, he's not Tame. But the client forgot who was who. Who started like a grease, who started with a sella. So one of them is Tame, one of them is not. Then the alokh is, you can be suffix, lohakhil. You can make them both to be, both to be Because That's a suffix of Tsaras, humans tar. What's the case of Nisqaklatuma? So Nisqaklatuma is, the alokh as follows by Tsaras. If the Tsaras grew, then your tummy. when do you become tar when it shrinks back to the size it was when the kind first saw it. So if there was the size of a cella, kind sees it, he waits a week, it grew bigger than a cella. Now your tummy. when do you become tar when it goes back to the size of a cella? okay So you have two people come, one the size of a gris, one the size of a cella. They come in a week, they both grew bigger. Okay? But, and then they become Tomei. Now they both shrink, but we forget which one needs to shrink to the size of a Sela and which one needs to shrink to the size of a Gris. So in that case, once you already made them Tomei Vadai, now you cannot make them Tore until we know for sure they're Tore. And they, therefore, it's the same idea of Reglaim Ladover. Once you know they're Tomei, they remain Tomei until you know otherwise. How do you know? This The says by It's actually by Now, why does it say Taira first? Normally, Tzuras is you're being with the person. What does it mean you're being with Taira the person? So we Said Taira first. That teaches me that by suffik you're going to say he's taught Wait a second. If the Pasik says that suffix aras is tar. Then, even if he was Tameh, you should say Suffolk Taras is Tar. The mission was Mechalik, then it depends if you are at the beginning of the process or at the end of the process. If the Pasik says Suffolk Taras is always Tar, then it should even be at the end of the process. Elamai says the Gemara. The Lach of our Mishnah is not based on a Pasik. The Lach of our Mishnah is based on the regular Lach of Chazaka. We have someone who has a Cheskas Taira or a Cheskas Guv that he doesn't have Taras, he's Tar. Once we Ripatskin is saras, then you cannot break the Chazaka until you know otherwise also what about this pasach we're bringing there was a different sheet that he was talking about which is the following case one of the ideas of tzaras besides a a burn you can also have a baharis. a baharis means it's like a discoloration on the skin and that would only be a tzaras if you had a white hair in the middle of that discoloration but it depends what came first did the discoloration come first or did the hair turn white first so, the aloha says, If the discoloration was there before the hair turned white, then it's tame. If the hair turned first white and then the discoloration on the skin, it's tar. What if you're not sure? You go to the I wasn't paying attention, and all of a sudden over the last few days, now I notice I have a baharis with a love, I don't know. Suffix, tame, suffix, tar. So, aloha is tame, says the Tanakama. You're going to be Suffolk Tomei He focuses on suffik deraisa lechumra, and if you're going to be Mach if Yeshua amar kia, Yeshua says a strange Russian, it means kia, my kia. What is the word kia? the says in this case that you're going to be Suffolk tar. so of a Maybe he meant Tomei So what's he arguing about? Maybe the Tanakhama says it's Suffolk Tomei and be Yeshua holds it's vaday tameh. And on that, I'm Ibidamarav, Amarquella, Tyra the time. But the Tara says Tyr first, she can be makil. Now wait a second. We just said you only need a Pasuk in a case of Cheskas Tuma. And this is why is this a case of Cheskas Tuma? It's the same question. Did what well, did the Baharis come before the Sair? Yes or no? So I don't know if you're a Tser. Why is this a suffix Tuma? So there's a few different shatters. Tisus in Sanhedrin, oh Tisus in Ksubas, I'm sorry. Tis in Ksubas says, we're talking about a case where he was already telling me from a different saras. That first Saras is on its way out when he gets a second Saras. And now the second Saras we have the suffocon. on. Tanakama says, You're Tameh, let me alone. You were tummy. we assume you're tummy, even though they're different Saras. And Yeshua says, No, the Pusik is telling you a Chiddish, that this Saras, even though you're already Tameh, we can say the second Saras is going to be Tar as well. And then once the first one goes away, the second one doesn't count. There's other Ukiptes, Lingmar, and Xubis, you, and the Gurushitim over there, you can look at it over there. But the Mice were coming out. Our Mishnah says that a Suffix Saras is only Tar at the beginning. When you were Tar, we're not sure if you're tummy. you remain Tar because that is ches- Tire. Whereas once you're already tame, we need a vadai tire to take it off. Maybe Yeshua again seems to be arguing and saying in certain situations, even a vadai Tumah, you could take off if it turns into a suffer. Next Mishnah of Svaikas. Shiva a bhikkimasov. The Allah of a zav we have to get all the alloqahs clear. The Allah of a zav, We're not talking about a woman, we're talking about a man, a Zov. So the laq of a man is if a man sees one day of Zov, one day of some sort of a mission. it's not Keri, but if he sees one day of Zov, it has the same halach of Tumas Keri, which means he's Tameh that day, goes to the mikvah that afternoon, and then he's tar that night, once he has of Shemesh, that's only if he has one day. If he sees two days in a row, or by man it doesn't have to be two days in a row, it could just be two reiyas of Zov on the same day, two times it comes out of his body, then he becomes a Zov Godel, which means he has to wait Zayin Akim. He has to wait seven days without seeing Zov. When he waits seven days without seeing Zov, then he becomes Tar. If he sees three Zivas, then not only does he have to wait three, seven days to become Tar, at the end of those seven days, he actually brings Karbanus to be Metair himself. He's a M'chusar Kapara, and he has to be Karbanus before he can eat truma, before he can eat Kachum, etc. However, as we see, there are halachas that say that this is only going to be when the Zov is natural. Meaning, if something external caused him to see zav, and we'll see a list in the Mishnah of things which could cause you to see zav, then you're not going to be a zav. What am I talking about? So the first time you see zav, doesn't matter if it's on purpose or not, because it's only one day; it's irrelevant. If it's on pur- if it's what we call ba'inis, or it's natural, you're going to be a one day tummy. So if the first one was, let's say, based on food products, which we'll see in the Mishnah, you ate something wrong, caused you to be a zav. Fine, your tummy one day. Let me know. The second one you see, let's say it's the second day, just to make it easier. So then it depends. If that second one was caused by food, or something you did, or jumped, or something, then it's not Zav at all. Okay? But if it was not caused by food, it was natural, now it's Mitzterf with the first one, and now you're a Zav Gadol, and you need Zayinikiyah. Okay? If you then see a third time, so that's going to be the discussion in this Mishnah. Do we need the third time also to be natural? Or can the third time also be caused by Aynas? Okay, Our Mishnah is going to say, we'll see in the Mishnah. So says the Mishnah. There are seven things you need to check to see if this zav was natural or was caused by something else. This is all when he was not yet a zav. So he only saw one time. You have to do these badikas on the second one. If you already saw a second time, which is already a Zav Gadol, then on the third time, to cause it for a carbon, you don't need to check. It's only on the second time you need to check. What are you checking? Michael, did he eat something which could cause him to be azov Or Misha, something he drank? then Masa, he was carrying something. Bekfitsa, he jumped up and down. Bechayli, has had some sort of other illness. Or he saw something znus-related which could cause uh, people people or animals maybe by, being, by, by making a maisa Tashmish uh, and that could cause a person to see zav. Or here, Stami had some sort of hero which could cause a person to see zav. All these are seven checks you need to do, but that's only for the second Re'ia that he saw. once he already had the second one, and now you, he had a third one, then ain't bite can I say? I don't care if the third one was natural or caused by some external thing, he would be a Zavgadal anyways. Okay if it was caused by one of these external things, which we'll see tomorrow what those two words mean, they would be Tameh by the third one, because once he's already seen twice, he's already on, considered as of Zavgadal, then the third time we don't care. We'll get to that halach in the Gemara in a second. Next halach in the Mishnah, if someone hit somebody in a way that could kill him, and they say that the victim is going to die, and therefore... The person's gonna be a Right Sayach, and we can prosecute you in Bezn for being Right Sayach. And then Bar Hashem, the victim recovered. Not totally recovered, but he partially recovered. And then said then you think, wow, Bar Hashem, I'm off the hook, the victim's gonna survive. And then Nabakhit takes a turn for the worse and he dies. So then Chayev Tanakama says, you're chayiv since you caused the original illness, even though he ended up Getting better? He didn't get fully better? Yechayim. <laughs> Nechayim says, no. You caused it. The fact that he totally did not get better in the middle is clearly an indication that it was related to the original mis- original wound or hit that you did and therefore you're going to be chayim. let's talk to Parashav Zov. what's this idea of Zov that it has to be on purpose or... or, 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 or not on purpose, but natural. What should it say? No, Regaimdavr is going, Regaimdavr, you can say, depends which Regaimdavr is going back on I explained Raghlaim Ladover going back on the Tanakama. You could read Raghlaim Ladover going on Rameh that since he got better, it's Raghlaim Ladover that you did not cause it. Tens how you want to read Raghlaim Ladover. You're right. You're right. Menonimili. of ez So Azov ez Zoyvoi means that it came naturally. That's the word zoyvoi naturally. Vazov is the first time. Zoyvoi is the second time it has to be naturally. And then it says, Le-Zocher or the nikeva so we the shlishis This that is zav is not considered a zav if it happens by external point is only by a man, not by a woman. A woman who sees zav, she's Tamei, no matter what. So says the, says the pasaka, zav is zav, the zachar keva. Zav, the first one, I don't care about. Zav, it has to be from inside of him naturally. The zachar keva the third one, I don't care if it's naturally or naturally because that's like a woman's zav, which is irrelevant if it's natural or not, not natural. <laughs> no. this is kishon a kevah? Something of atania. We have a brayser. Really, Ezra. But Shlishis, nobody can say. But Revius, anybody can say. Revius says no. Revius says both number two and number three. You need to check. You know what? You don't need to check number four. What is number four? There is no number four. Number four is that you need to have zayin so if during Zayin he you sees Zav another time, you have to start all over again. Does it make a difference if that Z- one he had in the middle of Zayin is natural or unnatural? He says, that we don't care about it. Well, anything you have during Zayin HaKim breaks it. But number three, according to B'liezer, does need to be natural also. What is he arguing about? It says, Zav es, Zayvay. B'liezer dashim Esim. And therefore, Zov is number one, S is number two, and Zovey is number three. So according to B'lazer, both number two and number three have to be natural, not caused by external things, like in the Mishnah. For Aban Eloi, Daish, Yes, they don't in either all the S or this S, and therefore they say that the halacha of this natural is only number two, not a number three, uh, and number three can be a natural. We'll stop here, and we'll see him tomorrow.